everyone and welcome to the latest edition of Marketing Week's This Much I Learned podcast, exploring careers amid COVID-19 and beyond. I'm Charlotte Rogers, Acting Features Editor at Marketing Week, and it's fair to say that the coronavirus pandemic and recent anti-racism protests have highlighted the need for brands to support, promote and celebrate diverse talent. To discuss this subject is my guest today, Doreen Faraz. Doreen is Director of Brand Marketing for Amir and Latam at LinkedIn and co-founder of People Like Us. Established with his brother Shiraz Gosha, People Like Us is a networking event designed to celebrate the work of black and minority ethnic professionals working in the media and communications industries. The inaugural event was set to take place in March but was postponed due to the onset of the pandemic. However, undeterred, People Like Us went live with its first virtual gathering in June, welcoming an array of BAME professionals and recruiters. Welcome, Doreen. Um, to start off, would you be able to tell us a bit more about your career journey from PR into marketing? Thank you so much for having me, Charlotte. Um, so so my, my, my career started back, I suppose, when I was at university way back when, and I studied um, media and, and psychology. And I sort of originally sort of stumbled into PR quite by, by accident. I, I was, like many students, quite skint at the time and decided that I needed to open up, uh, well, I needed to do something to raise some funds. So um, and then fortuitously, there was a, a, a sort of a night that me and my mates used to go to. It was it was at Queen's Court. It was a gay night. Every Monday, it was quids in. It was pound entry and pound drinks. It was a proper student night. The the venue itself was actually closing down for a, for a massive refurbishment. Um, and then a, a friend of mine and I decided that actually we, we, we should do something to kind of fill that gap, plug that Monday night gap. And, um, and we set up a, an alternative Monday night event at a different venue, um, it was actually quite a fun event. It was called Gaze, G-A-Z-E, and it was an astrological themed night. So you got your star sign stuck on you as you came in. And then there was this massive compatibility grid on the main dance floor, which um, told you whether or not the stars and the moons um, indicated whether or not you'd met your perfect match uh, that night. Um, but as, as part of all of this, I, I realised that I needed to um, drum up some interest and obviously didn't have any money to promote the event. Um, and just by intuition, really started calling up um, journalists, um, you know, media, local radio, just thought that they might want to come down. And the concept, I think, was something that, that really appealed to a broad range of, of people. And, you know, we were, you know, we were everywhere. We were, you know, in, in the big issue up north. We were, you know, in all the local, you know, gay, gay papers. We were in local radio stations, the Metro, um, commuter paper at the time in, in, in Leeds also covered us. So it was ex- an extraordinary sort of, um, sort of foray into, into PR and, uh, and yeah, and, and and sort of my my, my sort of yeah, PR career had started without me even really realizing it. So so yeah, that's that was the, that's how things kicked off for me. I think that sounds amazing. Um, what a cool way to kind of get into the industry. Um, and I think I mean maybe it's because you sort of have been creative from day one that it kind of gave you the inspiration to, as well as your day job, set up people like us. And I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about um, the event and the kind of the the meaning behind it, but also about the success of the first virtual session. So the idea for people like us came from um, a conversation with my little brother. It was actually all of his. Um, it was his his sort of like baby actually, and you know. He works in the industry like with me. He's um, sort of communications background, um, and and worked at some of the leading sort of PR agencies, so Hope and Glory, and most recently he's at Pretty Green. Um, and he and I often talk shop when we're together. And um, and yeah, one of one of the subjects that kind of kept coming up was that we we're both sort of somewhat aghast at you know at what you know what what he saw around him, or rather what he didn't see around him. Um, you know, when you're in a city like London where you've got you know, a population which is, you know, 40% plus um, Asian, black, minority ethnic, 
you know, it is, you know, somewhat disheartening that, you know, we've got less than 11% of our marketing media folks um, who, who are also in that in that category. And of course, there are a raft of reasons why that might might be. But, you know, people like us really, you know, came to be, it was um, as, as, a, as a bit of a celebration, actually, we, we didn't want it to be a big political statement. You know, there were a raft of amazing organisations doing, you know, some brilliant stuff. Um, and so this, this was really meant to be, you know, different. It was, it was meant to be uh, a celebration for and platform for um, black and minority ethnic people to, to be able to talk about the work that they're proud of. You know, I, I've met lots of BAME people. Um, I think perhaps because, you know, you're gravitated towards people who, who are a bit like you. Um, and, and yeah, we, we thought actually this would be a really lovely opportunity to kind of celebrate the brilliance of, um, of, of the community. And, and so that was, that was it. It was meant to be uh, in March, as you said earlier, uh, it was meant to be a glittering soiree at um, Snapchat's sexy Soho offices. That was the, that was the premise. And, you know, we we're going to have 10 speakers, um, you know, from, from every sort of level of seniority. So from interns all the way to, to you know, marketing directors. Um, just talk about work that they're they're proud of, but crucially, we really wanted to make sure that that work was on display to, I guess, what we'd describe as the gatekeepers to businesses. Um, you know, the, the people um, that can 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 encourage and in, ingest um, uh, talent into organisations, and that was recruiters. And we wanted to make sure that recruiters, you know, had a key sort of role um, at this at this event as well. So so yeah, we we made a really big effort to kind of ensure that those two audiences were brought together for our for our launch event. I think it's amazing and it's so important what you say about the focus is obviously on celebration uh, and kind of foregrounding the, the amazing work that BAME Marcon professionals are doing. In June, people like us published research which found that 42% of marketing professionals from BAME backgrounds felt feel that their ethnicity is negatively impacting their career prospects during COVID-19 compared to 20% of their white counterparts. I mean that just seeing that is is just shocking and how do you react to that statistic to be completely honest I'm, I'm saddened by it but not wholly wholly surprised you know you know the, I mean the question you kind of have to ask yourself is is it that you know is it that we're less good is it that we're more dispensable you know is it unconscious bias is it conscious racism and you know to be honest I, I, I don't know um you know the whole sort of people like us concept was put together um, you know, it was never meant to be this sort of political statement around social injustice. You know, it was just, you know, another sort of monumental event um, started taking hold after the death of George Floyd and um, meant that we had to reconsider and reconfigure the purpose of, of people like us, which is why we, we then launched the research that you just mentioned. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I reacted to it, you know, like I said, with, with, with some sadness, but, but not a huge amount of, of surprise. Um, I mean, the same research also found that the BAME folks uh, were also having to take deeper pay cuts um, on average than their, their white counterparts. So, you know, the, the, the research have indicated that, you know, that that was somewhere in the range of 18% more than, than their white counterparts. Um, and, you know, when you, when you look at that pay cap, which, you know, already stands at around 20% in London, where the majority of Markham professionals live, you know, this, this is, you know, this is shocking, you know, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going through this, you know, awful global, you know, um, pandemic and, and, you know, people who are already, you know, disenfranchised, who are already feeling, you know, the, 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 the sort of effect of being in a minority underrepresented sort of um, category, you know, you have something horrendous like, you know, COVID hitting, and then they're, they're impacted even more by it. And that, that, I guess, you know, is quite revealing. It's like, what, what, what is it that, you know, that, that is, you know, um, driving, those differences when when people you know at large you know are 
doing similar jobs or at similar levels of seniority, yet they're they're being treated differently and they feel like they're they're not as as valued as their as their white counterparts. Why why is that? And I think it's a important question for us all to be asking ourselves. Definitely, I think that's something that the industry has to to face up to and and, and make you know ask, answer those questions. Um, I think another thing that I wanted to ask you about is you know we've seen a lot of recruitment freezes amongst brands, and I suppose. I imagine that you would urge brands not to sort of pause hiring, you know, diverse emerging talent just because, you know, we're in the current crisis. You know, what would you say to brands, you know, to stop them kind of doing that? Yeah, no, it's a really good point. I mean, I guess over the past few months, businesses have been, you know, really forced to adapt to, the, you know, this, this enormous revolution to the world of work. You know, it's the biggest revolution of the world of work in recent history. Um, and as, as organisations across the world really grapple with how to operate and deliver value, um, you know, they're also thinking about ways of doing that differently as we emerge from the other side of this crisis. Um, and, you know, and the, and the priority really has to lie with building back better. You know, it really has to be about, you know, how do we, you know, we, it's, it's like, you know, we, we've had this big fat reset button that's been pressed, you know, and, you know, all of us have been sent to the naughty step by, by Mother Nature. And, you know, we have to use this time. We need to use this time to really reflect on on all the you know, all the things that we took for granted, you know, the nine to five, you know, the, the you know, the, the lack of real flexible working, you know, this sort of inherent sort of um, biases that exist around sort of um, recruitment of, of sort of underrepresented professionals. Like all of this, you know, now is the time to really look at all of our practices um, and look at our systems and really take a long, hard look at ourselves to, to be able to, um, you know, to, to really capitalise on this opportunity to change how we work and to, to, you know, to build a fairer and more inclusive workplace where people feel that they belong and that they can do their best work. And, you know, diversity and inclusion, you know, they've never been more important and companies are, you know, are deeply considering how they can do a better job of, you know, both attracting and hiring and importantly retaining diverse talent as well. Um, you know, one, one I, I read this brilliant quote, um, the other week in uh, one of your rival publications in campaign um, um, and there was um, Amina um, Falarin who's uh, the global people director at Oliver and she wrote this brilliant piece around how Black Lives Matter is you know is actually specifically very specifically about systemic racism and in- inequality and it's, it's, it's around the exclusion of black people from benefiting from opportunities that are afforded to others and it calls for more support for those who are underrepresented unsupported and underserved more, more, more often so that they can finally get ahead. And, it, you know, in a business context, you know, Amina made this fantastic point that organisations don't lose out on black talent because of the lack of diversity and inclusion initiatives. Um, you know, it, it's actually got far more to do with things like biases and unconscious racism and, you know, and the very systems that underpin our organisations. You know, that, that is the, you know, the stumbling block here. So, you know, I think... I think a lot of organisations are paying, you know, a huge amount of lip service to, you know, having their their DNI sort of um, sort of initiatives in place and you know patting themselves on the back and you know that there is absolutely a place for them and they they, they act, we need them to really kind of um, properly kind of look at what is going on in our organisations and make sure that we're treating people fairly. But I think you know with everything that's happened in the world recently, we need to dig a bit deeper than that. We need to go a bit harder than that, and we need to take a a strong, you know, a firm, you know, look at ourselves to, you know, to realise where those, you know, those, those sort of systemic sort of um, sort of malpractices are occurring and what we can do to, to you know, to, to kind of fess up to it. 
and then address it. Because until, until you know that there's there's a problem there, then you can't really do much to address it. And so, so yeah, that's that would be my my, my sort of thoughts on that. Is that people people need to look, you know, to, to continue the work they're doing on and diversity and inclusion, but do not confuse that with actual proper internal sort of um, reflection as, as a business and as a company to kind of really get to the root of what, what might be the cause of it. Absolutely. You speak so passionately about this being, um, you know, an important moment of change. Um, and I wondered on a personal, individual level, there would be a lot of people um, thinking about changing their own life and thinking, you know, I want to go in a different direction or I actually really want to get into marketing or I want to carve out a career post-COVID that means something to me. You know, what advice do you have in terms of kind of personal branding or standing out um, that could be useful to people in this period? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's a great, great question. And I think, you know, um, just anecdotally, I'm, I'm, I've, I've spoken to, no word of a lie, five like really good friends who are all, you know, in very good jobs or were in really good jobs in the last um, sort of week alone. And, and, you know, because of my role at LinkedIn, um, people do tend to come to me for, you know, for, you know, career guidance, career coaching and personal branding stuff. Um, and, you know, by virtue of, of where I've worked for the last, you know, nine years almost, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a reasonably good position to be able to offer up advice, um, you know, and I think one of, one of the important things, just sort of reflecting on on how, you know, my, my career, I guess, has un, unfolded, you know, I, I started off, you know, this, this chat by talking about how I, I sort of stumbled into um, marketing, really, I mean, PR was my background, I've been doing it for the best part of 15 years, um, um, and, you know, I've, I've worked at WWF um, on their Earth Hour initiative, run their global publicity when I was at Sydney, when I, rather when I was living in Sydney. Um, and then, you know, I also worked at the original uh, uh, sort of um, social media darling, so MySpace, you might remember if you're old enough. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and like I said, my, my career was very much firmly in that in that sort of PR space. Um, and and I was, this was when I was living in, in Australia. I then moved back to London and um, and then the LinkedIn opportunity, funnily enough, through LinkedIn came about um, and I, yeah, I knew that I wanted it and I really knew that I wanted to, to work there. And so I'd sort of carved out this, this, um, this, this role, um, you know, this really exciting role at a time when LinkedIn was at this, um, in, in very much in sort of startup mode. Um, we were opening up offices right across the region. We were launching in lots of exciting languages. Um, and yeah, and, and I really was able to kind of, um, flex my, my, my sort of muscle and my, my, my specific focus was around consumer communications. And so I was heading that up for the region. Um, and then there was this amazing opportunity, you know, they came up to be running um, consumer com- comms for, for LinkedIn globally. I was reporting into headquarters. So that was all going swimmingly. Um, and then we merged our marketing and communications functions into, into one. And when um, when that happened, we were sort of um, regionalizing um, some of those operations again. And so um, I came back. Well, I, I, was, I was sort of reporting back into um, EMEA, um, the region, but my role actually had been absorbed by other brilliant people on the team. So I then sort of stumbled into this this sort of marketing role, and that was about two and a half, three years ago. Um, and and the reason why I, I tell you that 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 story about that, that sort of that PR to marketing transition is. You know what I had to do to kind of flip from from PR to marketing was you know I had to re I had to reskill I had to upskill I didn't know what a funnel was <laughs> before I started um, in uh, the marketing team like you know th- these are all things I had to learn I actually did um, the brilliant um, course the mini MBA with Mark Ritson actually through the work with Marketing Week that he does and um, and that was brilliant at laying the foundations for for someone like me who kind of had a vague idea of what marketing was about but really kind of to get to the grips of of the the function properly. Um, but it was an incredibly steep 
learning curve um, to kind of like pivot from from one you know um, career really um, into into another. And now I'm fortunate enough to be able to you know to run marketing for LinkedIn across the region, um, and albeit you know through a through a PR lens. You know, I, I kind of you know I, I guess I do have a unique perspective when it comes to, to marketing and, and um, yeah, and I and I and I enjoy that because you know I think it's about pulling different levers at different times. Um, when it comes to marketing and doing it effectively, you know, sometimes you need PR, sometimes you need, you know, paid for advertising. Sometimes, you know, it could be a social update. But but be, but, you know, having the gift of being able to pull any one of these levers whenever you need to, I think is you know massively exciting. Um, but in answer to your question, and I'm sorry that it was so long winded, you know, I think people people who are thinking about carving out a career post COVID, um, you know, I think. As you go through your job description for new roles, you know, a lot of people are going to be a little bit nervous because industries, complete industries have been decimated, you know, the hospitality industry, the tourism industry, and, and people will really be looking at the work that they've done and they'll be sort of considering, you know, other roles. But, you know, when you when you bust out of that sector, you know, it, it becomes increasingly difficult because, you know, all these roles are incredibly competitive and you simply don't have the skill set or you don't think you have the skill set to apply for those roles. Um, and so what I what I'd suggest to people is to really think about the skills, um, you know, that they already have that could be applied. You know, what are those transferable skills and, and making sure that you are, you know, making them visible um, on, on things like LinkedIn, making sure that they're high up on your CV. Um, soft skills, again, are more important than you, than you might think and transferable um, across, you know, a multitude of industries. So that's also a great, great place to start. For example, communication, leadership. Um, Teamwork are crucial whether you work in healthcare or or, or food food service. So um, so yeah, so that's that's one thing. And you know, and and as I mentioned earlier, I was lucky enough to do the the mini MBA. I think enhancing your skills with an online learning course is massively important. There's so much competition. You know, we found that you know, the same time last year, you know, job applications are up three times on LinkedIn. So we're we're seeing you know a huge, um, hugely competitive sort of space, and so. You know, when you are looking for jobs and you are looking for roles and you're like, um, you know, that there aren't, you know, that you don't have the right skills for them, then plug those skills in. We've, we've actually just opened up a whole raft of free courses. Um, um, so we partnered with Microsoft um, and we want to help people reskill and we want to offer, you know, the, these free courses. And there's over a thousand hours of learning courses available. Um, and my, my plug, my only plug, I promise you, you need to go on to opportunity.linkedin.com to find out more about that. There's a huge number of courses. And. What we did was um, looked at most of the um, in-demand jobs and then we looked at the skills that are associated with getting those sorts of jobs and then unlocked all of the courses um, that you might need. And there's things like, you know, graphic design, things like project management. Um, there's, um, you know, uh, data analyst. It's all, all those sorts of roles that are very much still in demand now, even even in the COVID-19 world. Um, and if these are, you know, uh, are jobs that you think you might have just about enough to kind of get into, but not quite quite as much then you know this whether it's a LinkedIn learning course or, or whatever online learning course you know I think it is really important that you you know take the time um to, to kind of look at what opportunities there are out there and how you can help plug plug those gaps on your CV and on your profile.
Thank you so much. Sorry. I mean, that's incredibly good advice for anyone who's thinking what to do next. Um, and it's been great hearing more about your personal journey and also about people like us and what you guys are doing. Um, so thanks so much. Um, we hope you enjoyed this latest edition of Marketing Week's This Much I Learned podcast and check out an- the next episode coming soon. You can also listen to our other podcasts, Marketing Week Explores and Marketing Week Meets on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. That just leaves me to thank Doreen and you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.